Welcome to Dana Delivers by Aprio Podcast, the podcast that helps restaurant owners and operators learn from industry experts about trends and opportunities. On every episode, Dana Zukowski, the leader of Aprio's restaurant advisory team, explores a topic impacting our industry in a candid conversation. And now, let's hear what Dana is serving up on this episode. And on today's episode of Dana Delivers, we have Jason Berry with us from Need Hospitality. Jason, thank you so much for joining today. Dana, it's my pleasure. Thanks. And I always like to start the podcast with the first time I remember meeting somebody. And now I say remember meeting someone because once I found out that my first time remembering wasn't theirs. But the first time Jason, you and I met, we were at, I believe it was Hakkasan. Jeff Brock introduced us. And I think right away, I knew we'd be fast friends. You were had a growing restaurant group down in DC. My sister was living down there. So I knew there'd be a lot of trips to check out the spot. So why don't you talk a little bit about you, your background, how you ended up in DC, and then we'll talk about what's going on over at Need. Oh, wow. I'll try to find the short version. I am from Los Angeles originally. I am uh, 50 years old this year, which is a quite the interesting age to be. Happy birthday. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Los Angeles originally went to USC undergrad, majored in entrepreneurship and business, and found myself during my 20s, or at least looked for myself, worked in restaurants from the time I was 15 years old through college, waiting tables, after college, thinking about law school, working in the entertainment industry, waiting tables again, traveling the world, and then all of my smart friends were going to business school. And I thought, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life. So I'll go to business school too. So I applied to a bunch of schools and I got into Wharton, which is a good school in Pennsylvania and Philly and flew out there and found out that I was not the smartest guy in the room. And it was incredibly humbling and surrounded by all these brilliant, brilliant 800 people in my class. Had a wonderful time for two years getting my MBA and creating an amazing network of people that are still my closest friends, not all 800 of them, but about 20 of them, and majored in marketing at Wharton. And when I was in school, was debating between what kind of job I would do. I did consulting for my summer internship for a firm that had a project going on in Buffalo, which uh, was not my favorite city to be in. Sounds cold. It was, well, it was the summertime, so it was just gross. And my base was in New York, so I would fly to Buffalo Monday to Thursday and then spend my weekends in New York, so that was fun. Uh, And that was 2001, which is during a very tough economic time, so I was just lucky to have an internship at all. And then was thinking about going back in the restaurant business post-business school. And of course, you know, the restaurant industry really doesn't hire MBAs. So I reached out to... Houston's, which is now called Hillstone. And I had worked for Houston's pre-business school as a server and a server trainer and opening restaurants for them. And they had offered me a management job, which I had declined at the time uh, to do marketing for another company for a business school. And I reached out to them and I said, hey, I'm graduating with my MBA. Houston's was always very turned on by pedigree and, and schools. And they always wanted their managers and and people to come from the best schools. It was sort of Goldman Sachs-like of the restaurant industry. And they said, you know, we don't hire MBAs. We don't know what we do with you. And so they said no. And then over the next six months, they eventually said yes. And I was their first MBA hire. 
back into. Wow, I, I don't think I knew that, but I am a big yeah. fan of the Hillstone Restaurant Group. Yeah, so I went to work there in Los Angeles. Houston's at the time transfers everybody around all over the place. And I think in my two years with them, I worked in six restaurants. Got promoted pretty quick to GM. Usually it takes, you know, five years. I think I did it in a year or a year and a half. And found myself in New York running the restaurant on Park Avenue. And then I found myself in Long Island running the restaurant in Roosevelt Field. Roosevelt Field, yes, uh, which is now no longer there. Got my sort of graduate education in restaurants with them and found myself to sort of be a, a small fish in a big pond and wanted more, something a little more entrepreneurial and was reproached by a recruiter who said, have you ever been to Rosa Mexicano? And I said, no, he's, he's, I've heard of it. He said, well, are you interested? They're looking for a regional manager. And I said, not really. You know, Mexican isn't really my thing. I love Mexican food, but I don't know much about it. He said, well, go check it out. So I went for my interview. And before my interview, I went to have lunch in August in 2004 at Rosa Mexicano at Lincoln Center. And a Monday lunch in August in the Upper West Side couldn't be a slower meal period. And it was bumping, I bet. It was pretty busy for, for the oh, time yeah. of day. And I had, I had you know, tortilla soup and enchilada suizas, the only things I had known on the menu that I could have some opinion about. And then I went to meet my soon-to-be boss, a guy named Howard Greenstone, who was a mentor to me for my tenures in the company. And I ended up going to work at Rosa. At the time, they had three locations, two in New York, one in D.C., and I joined as a regional manager and helped grow the company from three restaurants to 19 restaurants in 10 years. And I left as the COO of the company. And then my partner and now husband, Michael, he was also in the restaurant business in a variety of, of companies. And we had decided that you know, I was living in New York, then Miami, and then we landed in DC, which we liked very much. We decided to I would leave Rosa and we would open our own restaurant together. And so we opened our first restaurant in 2015 and it's called Succotash. It's in National Harbor, which is this huge man-made live, work, play convention center environment with a casino, an MGM casino, just 15 minutes south of DC and in Maryland, across from Alexandria on the Potomac. And we opened our first restaurant there seven and a half years ago. And since then, our company Need Hospitality and Design has grown from one location to now 14. And we have eight full-service restaurants, four fast casuals, and two bakeries. And then we have four more fast casuals opening this year, a hotel F&B project uh, in D.C., and our third location of Mi Vida, which is our Mexican restaurant. Uh, so. It's been it's been a, a wild ride over these last almost eight years. Now we have uh, 900 employees and about 100 salaried. 100 of those people are salaried, uh, and the rest are hourly employees. And we're trying to do good things in the industry. And our approach is very much, you know, Michael and I concept name. Michael does the design. Work with architects and GCs, and you know, people to assist us in in all these things, but. Everything is sort of our baby, our brainchild, and we find locations and then we say, well, do we have anything in our portfolio that that can fit in this location or do we have to create a new concept? Always preferred not to create a new concept, but we've had these great opportunities that have come our way that were real estate that we couldn't pass up. So we created concepts for these locations and now we have, you know, Tex-Mex, Mexican, French, steak, 
southern upscale diner bakeries and, and a variety of fast casuals so there's still some concepts we'd like to do but i love doing things we've already done instead of doing new things because it's about 100 times easier to do an existing concept than create something new right why reinvent uh, the wheel if you don't have exactly but so I, and the- i think one of the things you said that was just so interesting is that it is you and michael and as we start to see some more some restaurant groups that used to be privately owned are now going ways of merging with other brands or maybe consolidating or there seems to be a lot of activity some people are going a franchise route what as i know that entrepreneurial so being an entrepreneur is so important to you what is it that keeps the two of you going and being able to do this and expand your brands the way you are i think a, a good measure of insanity um, <laughs> i think that's a big piece of it i also think that we're fortunate enough to have a, a, a very small group of investors that believe deeply in what we're doing and that have been able to help finance our growth so you know we really haven't had to go out and look for money. That's um, an amazing thing. At that time, I'm sure is coming. I'm sure at some point somebody's going to say, "Hey, I've I've done my, I've done as much restaurants as many restaurants as I want to do for my portfolio. Restaurants are risky, and not everything we touch is going to be a home run. It's just not possible, generally speaking. And at some point, I think we'll go out there and, and look for other methods of financing. But when I worked for Rosa about four years into my ten years. Rosa was purchased by a private equity firm, 50% or 51% of it was purchased by a private equity firm. And then we had new owners to answer to. And it's a very interesting dynamic and a strange relationship and not one that I'm dying to encounter again. Obviously, I'm in a different place and a different level and a different perspective and I'm older. and Maybe I'm a little wiser, but anytime you get money from someone, there's expectations. And I like being my own boss. And even though I have investors who I consider my bosses and try to make decisions based on what's best for them, it's it's really nice not having a, a group of executives in private equity to answer to every month and review financials and tell us how they think we should be running our restaurants when they've never done such a thing. Right. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I, I think at some point we'll have to figure it out, whether we sell the company or whether we bring in investors for bigger growth. You know, and we have all these different concepts and some are more successful than others. You know, do you do you bring money in for just growing, you know, the Mexican side of our business or the southern side or or, you know, does somebody really need a steakhouse in their portfolio and wants to help us grow that? So there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. But, you know, I think one of my philosophies in life has always been to walk through every door. And there's a lot of meetings I never wanted to take that I took because I'm a big believer in taking meetings just in case just in case this leads to somewhere that you didn't see coming. And I've kind of lived my whole life that way. And so a lot of relationships or a lot of connections have happened because I walked through doors that I really didn't want to necessarily walk through. So I I feel like things will take us in the right direction when the time comes. And in the meantime, you know, the problem with this industry and and, I'm 50 years old and I plan to live quite, quite a bit longer. Well, most leases are 10 years. And you might get a five or 10 year extension, depending on the lease. So at, at, at best, you're 20 years. And, you know, if you're if you're super fortunate in a very rare location with very, very rare success in a neighborhood that continues to be a good neighborhood and doesn't evolve into a bad one, you might have a, a 20 or 30 year project. Right. And in order to keep my income and my family's income moving, I have to continue to grow. 
and open more restaurants. Otherwise, you know, in X number of years, I'm going to have no restaurants. Right. Uh, and so it's a strange, it's a strange life cycle. Whereas, you know, you open a company a startup that sells products to a market and you continue to grow that distribution channel in that market. Well, you don't have a finite lifespan like you do in the restaurant industry. It's interesting. Um, I really never thought about it that way, but it really does. It is true yeah. that, you know, with the way the lease is going, if you are successful and you're doing well and your landlord sees it, chances are they're going to raise your rent, which doesn't right. always align with right. and, doing well doesn't always mean you are. Right. And they know a neighborhood that's fantastic today could be a terrible neighborhood in, in a year, let alone five or 10. Right. You may not want to continue to invest in that and grow it. You know, every landlord says, if you want to renew your lease and extend it, you have to put X dollars into it somewhere between years eight and 10 to remodel, to refresh. Well, maybe it's not worth the 500 or a million dollars to do 500,000 or a million dollars to do that based on how your sales are. And then that restaurant ends up going away. And it's just a very strange dynamic. Luckily, we've We've got no turkeys at the moment, but I expect some some of these some neighborhoods there might be, be. Yeah, there won't be what we hope they would be. And even COVID has, you know, one of our restaurants, which I won't name, is in a neighborhood that we thought would be amazing mm -hmm. that turned out to be not as good strictly because of COVID and how it's changed the office dynamic and the people coming to work and maybe a little more homelessness and a little less of what we had expected when we wrote the business plan. So things change much more quickly. And sometimes like with COVID in ways you can't ever control or imagine. Yeah, so no, no one could have imagined the sudden of what a work week and work day looks like. Right now, all DC-based, everything is, you know, within a certain amount of square miles from each other. Earlier, we spoke about expansion outside the DC metro area. You want to talk a little bit about what that plan looks like? Yeah, you know, we are opening one, maybe two restaurants in a new development in Virginia. I don't know if I'm allowed to say where yet, so I'm going to not okay. be specific. But the location is going to be our first outside of D.C., the DMV region. And in order to grow, we just have to start looking. You know, I wouldn't say we've maximized all the great real estate in the city, but there's a lot less of it that we're interested in, given radius clauses and the concepts that do well versus, you know, where it would you know, we're, we're opening our third Mi Vida in the region in April. I don't think there's room for any more here. Right. That's our biggest growth vehicle. It's, it's you know, casual, fine dining, high energy. And, you know, we think there's a huge market for it, but not necessarily anymore here. Um, so we're having to look outside. And, you know, we have these 900 employees. Well, if they don't have opportunities for growth in our company, they're going to go take everything they learn with us somewhere else. Right. So there's and also that piece of hanging on to people by providing more opportunity for them. Right. No, and that's definitely important, especially in today's market where finding good employee finding employees is hard, finding good employees harder and keeping them really the hardest. But you guys seem to do a good job. I'm a huge fan of you and Michael and all of your restaurants. And I just wanted to thank you so much for joining me today. And we do have people listening all over the country. So anyone who does visit the D.C. area, make sure to check out one of Jason's restaurants at Need Hospitality and Design. So, Jason, thank you again. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, Dana. Great to be here. Thank you to all of our listeners to the Dana Delivers by Apio podcast. If you like today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button. 
Dana Delivers, brought to you by Aprio, a premier accounting and business advisory firm with offices across the U.S. and clients around the globe.